He's an angry elf. Had to go there already? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 911, I'd like to report shots fired. <laughs> this is the one and only, the original podcast where you can find yours and your business's true value. You're listening to Our Value. Brought to you by America's insulation source, IDI Distributors. You want to hear from the best contractors, suppliers, and consultants that dedicate themselves to more than just survival in the business world? Industry professionals that are dedicated to excellence in every aspect of their business? Our Value has them all here to share that same motivation and knowledge with you. Tune in and grow a more successful, profitable, educated, and recognized business. Listen to the Our Value podcast to become the industry leader in your market. Find your value with Our Value. I'm Travis Pancake, Sales and Training here at IDI, alongside my co-host, Aaron Franzine. Hey, guys. What's happening? Coming up today on the podcast, we actually have one of our customers, Jeremiah Brandt of Thrice Energy Solutions, all the way up here from Oklahoma City, as well as an IDI legend, Ryan Stewart. Hello. Howdy. Howdy. Howdy, partners. Jeremiah, why don't you tell us a little bit about your background and why you uh, got to where you're at today? I started in drywall, actually. I was a fourth-generation drywall contractor. Uh, insulation was... That wasn't in Oklahoma City, though. This was in... That's correct. So I was... I'm a transplant to Oklahoma from uh, Indiana, a little town called Morgantown, Indiana. So um, drywall was kind of our background, but I, you know, I grew up in construction, uh, was familiar with the insulation trade, um, moved to Oklahoma in 2007, uh, had a few just various jobs, and construction in the oil field worked uh, back in indiana again i spent two years there uh, kind of took part ownership of the family business in drywall worked there uh, kind of growing that business and getting a more hands-on uh, with the business side of things and i was right um, about the when the economy kind of took a took a dump right, right so yeah so you know 2007 through 2009 was was pretty rough um so we we kind of went through that uh pretty tough period and i kind of learned a little bit about lean business practices just through some hands-on you know having to deal with it real life experiences right so um moved back to oklahoma um my wife and i bought a house there and i, I actually got a job working as a as in production position for an insulation contractor and kind of learned that side of the business and that was you know my intro to spray foam i'd never seen it before and just you know we thought it was the coolest thing we'd ever seen um so we started our business in 2016 after some things just didn't pan out at the company I was working for. Um, and, you know, we kind of started the way everybody does, really didn't have any business getting into it and just kind of jumped in with both feet. You had a plan. You had it all laid out. You knew exactly what you were doing, I bet. Right. Yeah, we were we were just absolutely excellent from day one, for yeah. sure. You get your business entity set up and just take home bags of money. Yeah, just start just shoveling the cash in. in. That's right. When you were in uh, drywall back in the day, did you actually – were you – a laborer too have you did you tape and hang and did you ever get get dirty down right in the mud literally yeah, so, in the mud so we grew up i grew up in a pretty uh pretty conservative christian background and uh so you we never were, tell that by meeting you we were homeschooled. <laughs> <laughs> wow we were homeschooled and uh so we spent i think by the time i was 12 or 13 we were we got up at six or seven o'clock in the morning we went to work we did our school work when we got home so uh, yeah, I I hung sheetrock, taped, t- 
textured, sanded, you name it, uh, we did it. So. Sanding's probably the best. Oh, yeah. That's that's definitely a reason to look elsewhere for employment. Yeah. <laughs> hey, since you're in town, I got uh, some stuff at the house, you know, your expertise. Yeah. Just saying, we could probably knock this out in a day or two. Yeah, for sure. I can get you some numbers. Ryan threw his phone through the drywall. Might need to patch that up. <laughs> right. Yeah, well, don't tell anybody else, okay? He gets keep it our secret. He's an angry elf. Had to go there already? Uh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> 911, I'd like to report shots fired. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, Jeremiah, getting back to your story. Interrupted it's all by about Aaron. You, not me. So, uh, you know, 2016, Oklahoma's economy was pretty flat for the most part. And uh, we didn't really know a lot getting into it. But um, I, I spent a lot of time kind of learning the building science uh, a matter of fact the the next week after we started uh, our business i went and joined a class for the hers program for the home energy rating system and took that class and then took bpi and then took energy star and was just really trying to get a good grasp of the science behind insulation and, and how to actually um approach things not just simply from an insulation contractor side but you know from actual solutions as you know a building assembly as a whole um and really kind of that's where i really started falling in love with that you know prior to that you know insulation it it could have been anything you know as we just we started a business i had a business i had two business partners um and that was just i was already working in it so there was no big reason for us picking insulation um but after getting into the home energy rating program and getting my HERS license, getting into BPI, and you know, I just really fell in love with the building science stuff and, and a lot of the energy conservation stuff. You know, just really, it's a it's a big puzzle when you start digging into uh, a building assembly and trying to you know each each situation is significantly different, and so um, that's really where I think our business really started to take off in a lot of different directions where we open, we, we have a, a home energy rating division. Now we blow our door test a lot of houses. And, um, but that was really where I started to get a passion for it and really felt like I took off running at that point. Um, and where I feel like we really set ourselves apart in our market was, um, the building science. When you started doing that, did you see that already as a value added to your business or was this just kind of a way for you to learn it to, you know, help grow your own, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, it's so scary to say, but honestly, I just, I, I did it because I didn't know anything. I, sure. It felt. You started an insulation business and, and then I, you went to classes to learn about insulation. Yeah. No, I mean, that is a really scary statement, but you know, to say I didn't know anything, you know, I'd worked in the industry, I'd worked for another contractor, but um, it is, it is alarming how little most of the companies doing insulation actually understand about the building envelope well that and that gives you the opportunity to prove your work right right so we're you know we're in it i'd already worked in it i'd been around other contractors i was having um you know i I was apprehensive to just jump you know take off and start growing this business i wanted to know everything i could you know i'm a pretty conservative person i didn't want to just you know Sink well, or you swim, were jump in. Pretty I'm, young at the time too, and just started a family, so right. there was some I was sensitive to. I was twenty six years old, and I needed it to work. Right. We had just had our third. I mean, my wife and I had just had our third kid. We just bought a house. You know, I needed to make sure this wasn't all going to blow up in my face. And 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 now, having been in the industry for a while, I'm looking around and realizing that, for the most part, it's business as usual for guys to not have as as 
much of an understanding about the industry as they should. Right. Most guys go out there, they buy an insulation truck, and they just start putting it in the walls, you know. And so that's where we really – I wasn't willing to accept running a running a business and having that little of knowledge about it. So um, I, I When I was a contractor, um, I thought I could outwork anybody. All my competitors, I'll just outwork them. You know, I was young and – you can't just outwork everybody. You need to understand the business. Um, you need to be good at sales. You need to be good at making connections. You need to be good at handling situations. You know, that's, I feel like that's a lot of the industry right now is you, there's a lot of good workers. We were talking earlier, a lot of good sprayers, a lot of people who know how to install it, but maybe lack in the building science portion of it you know, lacking the business management portion of it. And those things are as important as anything. When I think we're getting asked harder questions every year, the consumer as a whole is, is Oh yeah. The internet, right. You know, th- there's this, there's access. And I, I, you know, I make this joke all the time, but access to information in America is, you know, it's unrivaled, but the problem is, is it's access to good information and bad information, and wrong information. It's access to all information. And, we get asked a lot of tough questions. One of the things that I did just to try to help arm our sales force was I had them take the HERS class because it's like, guys, you know, the consumer is going to ask a, a, a lot of difficult questions. Spray foam has got a lot of good publicity and, and a little bit of bad publicity at times, you know. And, and so occasionally a customer is going to say, hey, we've heard of an issue with a house that was spray foamed. and. And they'll lay out a scenario and, and you know, we have to be ready to, to understand their concerns and, and understand the situation that they're talking about and, and what led to those things. Because, you know, unfortunately, there's a lot of states and, and Oklahoma's one of them that, that there's not uh, building regulation is, is, is a little bit behind the curve. And, and we're trying to we're trying to, you know, we want to keep regulation as, uh, you know, as effective as possible for, you know, we want builders to make money. We want consumers to be able to afford a home. So we're trying to be proactive about educating uh, all the trades, uh, you know, HVAC contractors, they do things that affect the home. Um, everybody, you know, everybody involved in building the house, framers, uh, plumbers. Yeah, and, you talked about that a little earlier before we were on air, um, just being a better partner, right? A right. partnership. And, and that was our goal is, you know, we're trying to, we're trying to do a better job of, of, of being that partner, you know, being able to evaluate a builder's uh, project, each individual home and say, you know, this, this is exactly what needs to happen and just kind of be a turnkey solution for them so that they can rest easy knowing that we have the expertise to, to make that project work effectively for their end user. Right, right. So you're almost four years in business now. You, you grew pretty pretty rapidly. Right. And a lot of that probably stemmed from your um, – understanding that knowledge was power, right? You needed to understand the basics to get into just the building trades, which you kind of came up with, you know, growing up in the drywall uh, business. Um, now growing into the size that you are, you certainly have an opportunity to buy direct. Correct. Where do you see the value in distribution? Because you, you've made some statements just uh, in the short time I've known you just about some of the things that you like about, you know, distribution and IDI and how how and why that works for you. Can you go a little deeper on that? Yeah, absolutely. And for us, we did. I mean, you're correct. We grew extremely fast. Um, we were 
I think 2016, we did a couple hundred thousand dollars in sales. 2017, we did a couple million. Uh, and then you fast forward to today. I mean, we have over 56 employees. And um, we're, as far as I know, we're the largest installation contractor in Oklahoma, uh, as far as Oklahoma standalone. Um, and, you know, that, that happened, you know, June will be four years. So we're not even at the four year mark. Um, but one of the things that I really tried to put a big focus on was making sure, you know, scaling up was hard enough. You know, we put we put some things in place for, you know, how, okay, operationally, this is how this is going to work. And then that worked great at $200,000 in annual sales. And at $2 million, it blew up in our face, you know. And so, so I really early on had a strong focus on, okay, if I'm going to implement something, it needs to be scalable. But any time that I approached any situation like that, I wanted to make sure that it could also scale back down um, because, you know, fixed costs are fixed costs. Uh, and so we've been operating out of a out of a 6,000 square foot warehouse um, since inception. We got a we bought this old building it had a burnt roof. We put a new roof on it. You know, it was a it was a cheap, easy warehouse to pick up. We put me. I mean, me and my business partners ourselves went out there on the first weekend and we put a roof on this thing, you know. And uh, it's it's cheap. And so we were actually purchasing direct when we started. And as labor or as material became harder to come by and there'd be a pinch on production, um, you know, one manufacturer had a large fire at their facility and that put a pretty big pinch on it. We really started running into extended lead times where we were ordering, you know, really maximum capacity because we were sometimes 10, 14 day lead time. And it really started to put a pinch on our cash flow. Uh, and even then, I don't know that I really understood, you know, the, the gravity of the situation. It was just, you know, we were in a pinch and we were doing what we had to do. But, um, uh, you know, you fast forward about a year from that and, you know, allocation continued to be a pretty big burden. Uh, and that's when we met Ryan and started, buying our um, some material through IDI and and it just kind of snowballed from there as we started to realize that there was an infinite amount of value to us and that uh, usually we could get next day order because the distributor was five miles down the road and and I've you know since then we're you know a million dollars a month in sales and I still use that same 6,000 square foot warehouse That's incredible. Uh, it, and it's a fixed cost if the economy does start to turn down if our if our production takes, you know, uh, it takes a little bit of a hit due to slower building or, uh, you know, slower inventory movement in the market, then I'm, I'm not stuck with this extra facility that I've purchased or signed a lease on anymore. And so that was that was one of the big strong focuses that we had is let's make sure we can scale down. And it made more sense to lean on a distributor and, and use their facility than it did to continue to spend our cash and our capital and our time trying to build a facility that would help us um, uh, hold inventory well in excess of what we had. So basically, I mean, using distribution has helped you to just keep your costs fixed. You understand what, you know, what's coming in, what's coming out at an easier rate because you're essentially using right. you know, and, and, warehouse and, through distribution. And not just that. I mean, it's, it's, it's helped with cash flow. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, our days in inventory is much lower than it was whenever we were buying from manufacturer or buying straight direct from the manufacturer. If you can't store it at our warehouse, Ryan will just put it in his garage for you. Right. Absolutely. Or Already do car. it now, I think. That's why you're a legend. And I want to circle back to a conversation we had earlier, again, offline, but you just kind of talked about how to help kind of re-educate 
the market, specifically as it pertains to, to talking to builders and how other trades come into uh, play and how one of the things an insulator can do is they actually have one of the biggest impacts on that house. Can you kind of go a little bit deeper into that? Yeah. And, you know, just kind of to reiterate what I was talking about, you know, right now, um, there's a lot of national studies being put out that are talking about, you know, the the cost of building. And, you know, um, I think the study said 75% of people buying a home in, two, in 2020 uh, needed to spend $250,000 or less. And, and obviously, um, we've been through a lot of different things, tariffs, you know, uh, things of that nature that, that have driven some cost of the materials. And, you know, we've had a labor pinch. Labor's, labor is costing more than it was, you know, five, right. even five, three years ago. Freight. 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 Right. That's a huge one. Uh, you know, uh, so, so these, these costs, obviously, these, these costs are carried to us, you know, our, our customer, the builder, as well as us as trades, you know, and, and so we're all trying to navigate that. But, you know, um, you know, ultimately, you know, my conversation, the conversation that I try to have regionally and, and nationally with anybody that will listen is that, you know, ultimately that cost to the consumer is, is a crucial part of how we can continue to, to keep homes affordable. Um, and if you look at uh, a lot of states in the country that are following 2006 or 2009, which is a still prominently used building code, especially on the energy side of things, um, we're doing things that that ultimately are affecting the cost of the home very little, but saving the end user 30 to 40% on their energy costs, you know? And so if, you know, how much more affordable would have your first house been to you had you been able to pay $200 a month less than utility costs? You know, that's what I was telling you guys, my, my wife and I, the first house we bought, we moved in and, and we didn't, we didn't know, you know, we just, we bought a house. It seemed like a good deal. It was priced well for the, for the location. And that summer we got an electric bill. It was $380. And I told my wife, well, we, we can't afford to live here. Uh, we can't afford an extra 300 yeah, utilities were killing you. And, um, so we, we did some energy efficient upgrades and, and, you know, we've done quite a bit at this point and that we live in that same house and it's a hundred bucks a month now. You well, know? you knew a good, you knew a good insulator. I knew a decent, point. yeah, I knew a decent person to call. So, so somewhere I heard that insulation cost is two to 4% of a new home. Is that right? Is that what you've heard? I, I can't cite it. I can't remember where I heard it. I've heard 2%. 2%. 2%. 2% is the number. That's it. Mm-hmm. 2%. Very but Aaron, to save you two to $300 a month on your first new home or whatever. I mean, obviously we're comparing a worst case scenario here. My house was built in 92 by a track builder. I mean, it had the worst windows. It had the lowest efficient. It was a cookie cutter home. Yeah, it had the lowest efficient furnace and air conditioner you could get. So, you know, it was a worst case scenario. But but even then, I mean, when we look at, um, so we're doing some some pretty pretty easy insulation upgrades as well as other things. That are that are putting houses scoring thirty to forty percent better on the HERS index, um, and you know I won't spend a bunch of time explaining the HERS index, but you know it's I think most guys in the insulation industry are at least familiar with it. But you know in in, in HERS, uh, the lower the score, the better, and we've got some production builders that they might spend an extra thirty percent of you know, on their insulation costs and, and cut the score, you know, by 40 points. Uh, and that, that drastically affects that cost for that end user. So, um, that's, and that's what we're trying to promote is that, you know, 
well, we can't really control the cost of building at this point. You know, the, the costs are going to have to rise a little bit because, you know, we obviously do need to make some profit. I mean, we're already talking about construction. It's a lower margin, you know, industry for sure. So we can't just continue to eat these costs. But as insulation contractors, we can directly impact the cost of the consumer and keep housing affordable while, you know, while the cost of the house may have to rise slightly you know, that that cost to the consumer can be manageable. Almost offsets it right. in some regards. Yep. So w- you know, with that example you just gave, is that something that uh, as you're being a partner of your industry, are the builders uh, open to these ideas? Are, you know, obviously we're, we're thinking about the uh, end user in, in mind, but, uh, you know, as you partner with some of your builders, um, are they in tune with that same kind of line of thought? I, I think it's, I think it's hit and miss, but I, I do think that uh, I do think, for the most part, a lot of builders are, are kind of on the defense right now. You know, they've seen their profits slashed mm-hmm. quite a bit uh, with with a lot of these things. That, you know, the, the lumber industry saw significant price increases, and, and I think they've been able to claw some of that back down. But um, so many different building products, concrete has risen. And, the, you know, just the labor alone, you know, just in labor alone, you know, we've, we've seen these increases. And so I think it's put builders a lot on the defense where um, – this conversation is it's a difficult one to have because um, it, it's difficult for them to get the price up. And and that's kind of what I talked to you guys about earlier, that I, there's, I think that there's something fundamentally broken with the way that we value homes today. Um, a lot of the things that we're valuing are um, things like granite and and hardware and all these things that people can see stainless and, steel and so it's hard for a builder to be ready to have that conversation about um hey i want you to spend twice as much insulating this house on spray foam because as far as the mls as far as the realtors are concerned as far as inspectors are concerned those aren't the things that we're comparing whenever we're whenever we're putting up comps for homes they don't even look at insulation you know they'll say if it's a little bit low, hey, you need to add some, but ultimately that doesn't weigh in on the cost of the value right. of that home. And so whenever we're doing comps, you know, we need a system in place to more accurately reflect the value of that home. And I think a huge part of the value of a home is what is it going to cost me to right. own it? The energy bill. That's right. Like that's, that's, that's the comp. That's the sticker on the new car, right? The and, gas mileage sticker. Right. And I know that, you know, I know that, you know, on cars, we've got the, the gas guzzler tax, you know, and you know, I don't want to just be outlandish with suggestions. And I know California in a lot of ways, you know, people te- tend to shiver in this industry when you talk about California. But, you know, California has a great program in place where, you know, every home that's sold, whether it be new or existing home, has to have a blower door test. And and for me, as a consumer, that's a number I want to know. You know, and obviously we cannot, as HERS raters, as BPI analysts, and, you know, all the guys studying these these houses and doing this testing – we can't go in there and accurately tell you to the cent what your utility costs are, but it is it is impressive how how close we can get a lot of times to, to telling a customer this is you know marginally what you can expect to pay in gas and, and electric costs. And whenever you ask gas mileage, usually the the car sales rep is well, how do you drive? You got a lead foot, right? It's like asking that with a house. You know, Travis takes like four to five showers a day at and, least. and a bath at lunch. You know, that's going to be more right. expensive. You can't predict like human behavior. I like you cannot predict human behavior, but we can get really close, you know, basing it off of average human use. And so 
for us, you know, that's something that we've tried to we've tried to speak with a lot of local realtors and, and try to get the consumer to understand. If you're buying a house, you're already paying for the inspection. You're paying for a termite inspection. Why not hire, you know, a HERS rater? Hire somebody to come out and do an energy evaluation, do an energy audit on the home. You're you're going to pay two hundred fifty thousand dollars for this house. You might want to know how much it's really going to cost you. It could be a negotiation and tactic too. Could be something that you could say, "Hey, I want to buy this house, but the seller's going to need to fix this and this." You know, earlier when you said that, that was kind of an aha moment for me because you you do pay for an inspection, a home inspector to come out and check it out, and I had I've never even thought of for an energy inspection of sorts to come out and let's see how bad the house leaks. Are the windows just terrible? And it's no different than any other inspection. You can request the seller to pay it. You you can pay for it yourself. I can tell you right now, for me, if I was buying an existing home, I, I'd be happy to pay for it myself just for the peace of mind um, yeah. because it's a huge unknown. Well, and knowing you're going to save money monthly. you know, yeah. and, and energy costs aren't going down, so it's an exponential gain, right? If you make your house more energy efficient using less, you're going to save money more and more year after year. It's one thing that can increase as far as the savings right. when you own a home. Right. Have you had good luck with uh, the real- realtors and go- approaching them? You know, I did it kind of just thinking we know a lot of realtors. You know, we've, we've worked with several um, who have called. Uh, you know, they got a customer buying a home, and the home inspector said, hey, you know, we need to add about six inches of insulation in the attic. So we kind of have a working relationship with some of them. Our sales guys have talked with some of them quite regularly. And so – we have had some luck. We've had, actually had quite a few customers just this year that have had us do an energy audit on a home that they were going to buy because, and they paid for it out of their own pocket, as far as I know. So that's the difference between owning a blow rig and blowing attics and and a spray foam rig and going out and working hard and doing a good job to being an expert to being a steward of the industry, someone who's knowledgeable that's providing solutions to their customers. I mean, that's the line in the sand that I see that you're a steward of uh, you're a student of the industry and building science and all these different approaches versus I have a blow machine and a foam rig and I insulate houses. Well, let's let's think about it. How many how many times do we how many people out there look go into an attic and go, look, you only got five and a half, six inches of insulation up there. We need to bring it up to an R38, right? We still haven't got to the root of the problem, right? We just It's a Band-Aid. Yeah, we just put a Band-Aid on there, brought it up to code, but we haven't fixed anything yet. Right. Now, I know there's somebody listening right now that says, wait, you do the insulation, you do the energy advising, and the blower door and the hers rate. Isn't, isn't, isn't that a conflict of interest, Jeremiah? Well, that's a question that we get asked pretty regularly and uh as a matter of fact no um and i think for maybe for some people that don't really understand the process that we have to go through i I can see where they would where they would think that but for the most part the way the hers program is written we're we're data collectors uh so we answer to what's called a qad a quality you know or a quality assurance provider is what they are they're called you know we refer to them as our provider so we go out to each site, whether it be an existing home, whether it be a new construction home. We take photos, videos, we record everything from uh, the make and model of the dishwasher to the toilet. We take a picture of the inside of the toilet tank to tell you, we tell the provider how many gallons uh, per flush that toilet's rated at. We count LED light bulbs. You know, For the most part, a rater is simply documenting what is in the field. And uh, when we test, you know, we have to provide photos of the blower door set up and, and everything. 
And so uh, when we um, when we send all this off, we can't provide that document, that her certificate. We have to um, send all this off to a quality assurance provider, and they they re- record that information, and um, then they give us what we refer to as print permissions for us to send that report in. So there's a lot of checks and balances within ResNet's system that allows for us to uh, to be safe in in both insulating a home as well as you know providing that data. Ultimately, it's it's a software and it's a third party that's providing this information. On on the retro side, you could you could actually test the house first, right? Blow a door, right. check it, find where the leaks are at, and then theoretically do it after you've made the repairs and prove your work that you proved and fixed what was wrong. Well, and so that's actually that's actually the ResNet standard for that. So, you know, we go out and we provide, you know, a, an upfront evaluation of the home. We test and we say, you know, it, it obviously, you know, this house is leaky. This house needs this. Um, we'll make recommendations. ResNet requires us to make those recommendations based off of a cost benefit. So uh, a, a lot of times, even though we're an insulation contractor, you know, this is a great tool for us. Um, a lot of times insulation it's not what they need. They might need a new furnace. They might need their ducts all sealed. You know, they might need a service that we have to refer them to an HVAC contractor or a window contractor or somebody like that. So, you know, it's a cost benefit analysis is the way we have to provide that information. And yeah, sometimes, you know, we say, Hey, we can do some air sealing we can do and some insulation. And then when we're done, we retest and then we can quantify to the customer. This is, you know, this is the difference between what you had and what you have now. This is a, a solutions provider, right? You're right. not just an insulator, not just doing fiberglass, not just in love with spray foam. You're a solutions provider. Yeah, and that's you know that's a that's a tough one. Um, you know, spray foam is kind of the hot commodity in insulation right now. You know, it's a popular product. Uh, it is not one that we recommend for every job, uh, and for that reason, we we really try. Our goal has always been to provide the solution that is best for the consumer. Uh, from a cost benefit analysis, whether right. it's something we're actually providing a HERS service on or not. Right. The most value that you can get out of your dollar. Exactly. Exactly. Um, you know, I have a lot of people that, hey, we're building a house and we want to use spray foam. And um, what do you think about that? And my first question is, well, how long are you going to live there? Because foam doesn't have a two year ROI or a three year ROI or a four year ROI. You know, if you're 30, and you're building a house, that's awesome. Congratulations. But on average in the U.S., people people below the age of 60 buy a new home every three to five years. So if we're talking about extended ROI for a product like spray foam that does cost twice as much as fiberglass, it's not always, you know, if we're strictly talking about your It's not the only solution. So, Jeremiah, I know there's lots of guys listening that are thinking to themselves, so I'll just put it out there. Isn't being a HERS raider kind of a conflict of interest? We get asked that question quite a bit, actually. And um, so kind of the way the, the ResNet standards are set up, ResNet being the governing body overseeing HERS raiders, um, for us, uh, there's a there's quite a bit of checks and balances in place. Uh, so a HERS raider is essentially a data collector. Uh, and we answer to what are referred to as providers. So there's a third-party entity that we provide the data in the field, everything, pictures, videos, uh, things as uh, simple as the make and model of a dishwasher, uh, all these different things. We we collect data both with photograph, video evidence, as well as recording um, several forms we have to fill out and provide to them. Uh, a rater cannot provide a HERS certificate document 
to a customer. We have to send this off to a third party, and um, and and then at that point, the provider will evaluate, ensure the accuracy of the data, and then provide uh, print permissions to a rater so that they can actually supply those documents. So essentially, you're not. There's no conflict of interest because it's it's third party checked. It's audited. Correct, and that's and that's where people kind of get confused. People are like, "Well, it's not really third party, is it?" And it's like, "Yeah, we're we're simply getting the information for them. We're on site. Our people are there. We're getting the information, but the 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 entity that actually provides those reports is third party." So, Aaron, I know you had a few things uh, that you wanted to talk about. Why don't you uh, go ahead and bring those up now? Yeah. Well, I wanted to dive more into product mix and being being versatile and not just offering one product and with continuous insulation being not a hot button, but a more popular item and, and not just offering one thing and offering air sealing and some of those things. I just wanted to dive into that a little bit more and what your approach to that is. Right. So I think, and I think there's a pretty, you know, spray foam has been such a big movement. It's been growing in popularity. A lot of guys are getting into the industry. They want to get into spray foam. It's, you know, it's the hot new item. Um, but, you know, I think there's a lot of misconceptions about foam always being the right answer. And so a lot of the reasons that we at Thrice Energy Solutions are try to focus so much on that product mix and really understanding the science behind things is that there's a lot of different ways to achieve energy efficiency. Um, you know, we, we've, we've seen plenty of net zero and positive energy homes that were insulated with fiberglass. Now, I know that there's a lot of guys that they have their favorites. They'd rather do fiberglass. They'd rather do cellulose. They'd rather do foam. But I think what a lot of guys in the industry need to step back and understand is that uh, every situation warrants an evaluation of the wall assemblies, of the roof assembly, of uh, the HVAC equipment, uh, every component of the home. You know, it's all working in tandem to provide uh, a comfortable living space for the occupants. And, um, you know, the, the, the statement has been for so long. I just said this guy to you yesterday, you know, that spray foam is the insulation of the future. And uh, I believe strongly it's the insulation of right now. Uh, I think that in the future we're going to continue to see uh, product innovation and, and the way that we insulate homes change. And I think continuous insulation, extra insulation, you know, the, the, the data's there. Uh, when we do thermal imaging of, of houses with exterior insulation and you see, you know, complete, you know, um, thermal bridging is completely done away with at that point. So. I think a combination of all the products too, you know, where they're used, how they're used, when right. they're used, depending on your climate zone, all that makes a difference as well. It's not one, one product cures all. Right. And that, that's absolutely, you know, it, and that's why I say every, every home, every building, it, it, it warrants an evaluation of what products can be used together. You know, we, you go back to the, to the ResNet standards. If we go do an energy audit on an existing home, you know, the first thing we do is we test the house and then the way that we're required uh, by the organization to provide that information is from a cost benefit standpoint. And that's what we're trying to establish on a new construction home is what is, what is your, what is your expectation for this home? Obviously we want it to be as energy efficient as possible, but everybody shows up with a project with a budget in mind and, and that has to be taken into account. So, you know, what products can we use? What mix of products can we use? Could it be a combination of fiberglass, spray foam, continuous insulation, air sealing products, duct sealing products? You know, what can we do to get this house as energy efficient as possible and, and still keep a budget in mind? Do you see more of this industry moving towards off-site panelized type of work, I, I think, wall assemblies and such? I think that the panelization movement has um, – it's – 
it's definitely got a place in the market. Uh, however, I think that um, whenever you really start getting into custom, people want to, you know, they want a customized home. You know, they don't want a one-off manufactured. They don't want the same floor plan as every other house in there. Panelized construction gets really expensive when you start customizing it. And so I think uh, not to say that it won't always have its place in the market. I mean, you know, those are, it, it's a solid, it's solid science. You know, it's, it's a, it is a great way to build a house, but I think it's pretty cost prohibitive and that's going to be really one of its biggest limitations. Yeah. It was going to say it's limited just because right. of the, you know, whatever's prefab. We're already is. seeing so much data out, you know, from NAHB about, you know, the, the housing crisis of, you know, housing affordability crisis. And so I think that while there's some things out there that are great products, they're great ways to do it. You know, we're already having a budget crisis when it comes to what people can afford and we have to keep housing affordable. So that's our big, you know, that's one of the big reasons why we've had such a huge focus on the building science on energy efficiency is that we are trying to keep that budget in mind. Right. And the reason I bring that up is because this work's always going to be, it's going to have some on-site element to it. You right. know, so even if it, it things did move towards panelized, there's always going to be a place for spray foam because you still got to glue everything together. You can, it, it's versatile of what you can do on-site with a house and changes happen. Absolutely. Homeowners change this, move this wall, take this out. So, you know, those products are always going to be around, but I think it's about finding the right place for the right product. Yeah. And I think that's, that would be my, you know, encouragement to all insulation contractors is we, we have to be focused on where the industry is going. But even then, you know, we're not just insulating houses anymore. You know, the insulation trade has moved so far past simply insulating at this point. There's so many, like you said, we're doing air sealing, we're doing pressure barriers, we're doing damming, we're doing uh, on foam, you know, we're building demising walls, you know, and there's a structural uh, aspect to that. You know, there's a lot of stuff that falls under the insulation contractor. And so I've always been a big proponent of, you know, people need to understand why they're doing something. This is not this is not assembly line work that we're doing. Which kind of falls back into place of, you know, your beginnings, you know, whether it happened on accident, but you're diving into the building science, you know, being a HERS rater, going through BPI training and all that. Uh, that background is, you know, as we talked a little bit earlier, not a lot of guys are jumping into that with that mindset, right, with the why this is happening. And then being um, uh, an insulator, not only are you able to perform the work, but you're able to adjust uh, on site, as Aaron was saying, with spray foam or whatever product of choosing to solve the problem as well. Yeah. Because you understand what's happening or what could happen if you don't insulate it a certain way. Right. Yeah. And I don't, I mean, I never want to use scare tactics as a way to get something done. But I do think that a lot of guys need to be pretty conscious of the fact that I think, I think that the liability for our trade is going to, you're going to see a pretty big increase in that, you know. Um, uh, there's uh, Ken Allison actually was talking about you know that the most searched term in regards to our the trade, Ken Allison the Ken Allison you know is that is my home making me sick that's been googled more than is my home energy efficient is my home making me sick and, you know so a lot of these things we're talking about oh we're making the house more energy efficient there's two sides to that you know we have to deal with indoor air quality we have to deal with humidity in the home we have to deal with uh, moisture in the wall assembly. You know, there's so many different things that we're affecting whenever we start mixing these products together. And to not understand the effects of those things and the science behind it, there's going to be an increase in liability to our trade. If guys aren't careful, they're going to wind up, you know, a house with mold or with issues where because they didn't understand the science behind what they were doing, they just said, well, we're going to start throwing every energy efficient product in our arsenal at this thing and we're going to make it as tight as possible. And they don't understand 
what other components of the home they're affecting with that, uh, it, it's going to be a risk that I think it's best to be proactive and for our trade to get out there, to get the knowledge, to get the understanding about it and, um, and mitigate a lot of that risk. Jeremiah, when you got into business, did you see yourself more in the retro retrofit space or new construction? What was your approach when you guys jumped into this? I mean, I think we were focused more on new construction. Um, now that being said, I think in the past two years we've made a we've made a really big push on uh, trying to understand more about existing homes in that market and being able to help those people. Um, you know, a big part of where our HERS department is today is, is a lot of energy audits on existing homes that people call in. And, you know, unfortunately, because the consumer is limited on what they understand about how a house works, 90% of the time we get a phone call and that's all they say is, hey, I need more insulation. And my question is, is what, you know, where did you get, come by that information? If you have a high electric bill, you know, most people's immediate thought is, oh, I need more insulation. And there could be a million different reasons why they actually have a high electric bill, and it may have very little to do with insulation. You know, we can go out there and put, uh, you know, six, eight inches of more insulation in your attic. And yeah, I'm an insulation contractor, so I just sold some insulation. But if I'm not providing a solution, how long can I hope to stay relevant in my industry? So for us, you know, it's do your door, do you need new weather stripping on your doors? Are your windows needing air sealed around? Is your air conditioner twenty five years old and and extremely inefficient? Is your is your ductwork just leaking into the attic? You know, I like to always go from it with let us do an energy audit first. Let us let us evaluate your house. I, I'd love to sell you insulation. That's what I make money doing. But at the end of the day, once again, if I'm not providing a solution, I don't know how long I could hope to stay relevant in in our market. Yeah, you got to get to the actual root of the problem, right? Right, right. And 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 I think for the most part, everybody thinks that insulation is always the solution. And yeah, a lot of times it is, but a lot of times it's not too. If somebody is in a home and they have cold rooms and they talk about energy bills being too high, who do they call? Like, who do they search for? To what would the first phone call be for someone who's looking for help? Most of the time, it's somebody searching for an insulation contractor. That I mean, that's and, and most of the time, unfortunately, what we see is that they get sold insulation. Should that should that be? I mean, if you're talking to homeowners that have cold rooms and high energy bills, who would you have them call? I think that they should. I think that they should absolutely call Thrice Energy Solutions. I, I think they should call Thrice Energy Solutions <laughs> in Oklahoma City for sure. No matter what, they got they got to start somewhere, right? But the key is calling the right person that says, "Hey, let's evaluate what the real problem is," right? Because Again, back to what you were saying, most people go, oh, it's cold. I need more insulation. I only got six inches, whatever it may be. But we're not fixing the problem. Right. With with the right person, we can go, okay, look, maybe the HVAC ducts leaking, right? We can, we can as a, as a raider and testing the house, we can actually figure out what that root of the problem is, and you can direct them to exactly who they need to go to, what right. steps need to be done. Well, and it just it helps with, you know, we don't want to continue to create a, a negative stigma about, you know, insulation contract. You know, we're not crooks. We're not. I think for the most part, I don't think that um, it's predatory by any means when they call an insulation contractor that maybe doesn't understand. They're like, well, we'll put some more insulation in your attic and that's going to help. And I really think that there's several people that get into this trade without the understanding of it. And, and they, they do they are doing what they know to do. Uh, I just think we have to challenge our, you know, our contractors and our suppliers and everybody in the industry to know more than what we know. 
Well, it's a, part of it's about being a professional. Train, educate. You know, that's you know one of the th- biggest things we push when we you know either have customers that are just getting into the business or want to improve their current business is we train. You know, we we have classes. We you know. We, we further educate not only ourselves, but our customers. And, you know, getting back to, again, I don't mean to keep pushing on it, but there's there's a way that you were different from the beginning. Um, you educated yourself. Right. And I, and I think that, you know, for us, um, you know, we want to get away from the term insulator. You know, somebody, somebody said once we've got to start focusing on uh, being what I think the, the, the industry has pushed us to be which is you know building envelope specialists you know problem solvers right you know we need to understand everything from liquid water drive through the assembly vapor drive through the assembly air through the assembly uh, thermal bypass through the assembly you know via bridging or convective heat conductive heat you know there's so many radi- you know radiant heat there's so many different things that we have to understand to really be able to assess this and so I really you know and, and I did that you know I and I did it mostly because I was scared of what I didn't know and I wanted to make sure I did, but um, uh, it, it's it's something that I think you know we've got to we've got to regulate ourselves. You know we've got to understand that because it's going to be so much more uh, beneficial to the industry and to and to the guys doing this. Whenever we can you know c- consistently provide a educated answer whenever a customer has a problem. I think most homeowners would probably Google search you know lower energy bills and anything any number of people are going to come up from an HVAC guy to an insulator and they're going to make a phone call and say, you think I have an HVAC problem? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Let me come out and do an evaluate. And it, it might totally be the wrong direction or same with an insulation contractor. We see it with window contractors a lot. You know, people are window like, contractors. People are like, Oh, I need new windows. You know, my electric bills are too high. And, you know, and nine, you know, 99% of door and window contractors out there are all about selling somebody some new windows. It's what they're in business to do. Um, you know, but on average in most houses, windows make up about nine to 10% of the entire exterior wall assembly, nothing on the roof assembly. So even if we make your windows, even if we get you windows that are 80% more efficient than the windows that you have now, we've only addressed 10% of the wall assembly. And so that's, you know, that's where I think, and, and that's not to say that windows aren't the problem because sometimes they are, but we get a lot of customers that they just want new windows and they're, they, you know, so they've decided the windows are the problem. And, you know, we've had to have that conversation. Look, if you want new windows, buy new windows, but I'm not advising you that this is going to drastically affect your energy efficiency. Well, uh, it's our value of three, maybe. Right. Right. So, so even the best windows out there, and like I said, it's, it's for the most part, unless you get in these really modern homes, for the most part, there's not that much glass surface at the end of the day. Usually air sealing around the windows is actually the big problem. We can air seal around any existing window, uh, you know, barring that the glass is missing from the window where we can air seal around any old, you know, window. So would you have them reach out to a HERS rater? If someone has problems with their house, is that would that be the first step so they don't get the runaround and go through the HVAC contractor, spend thousands of dollars, the problem doesn't get addressed? Okay, well, I guess I'll move on to the next step. That's an insulator. Go through that rigmarole, and, and the, the issue is never really addressed. I mean, they could make phone call after phone call, and... I'm just curious if that's who you would have them reach out to, or is that what they would the first step? I, I I think it would be. I think it's always the most advisable step because the Hers Raider doesn't have uh, a dog in the fight, so to speak. They're not making any money off of any of these trades. They're simply providing 
the service of, of data know, doing the audit and saying, you know, this is what you need. So, and there's hers raters in almost every market. So, right. And then that gives the homeowner choices, right? If they want to address windows, HVAC insulation, whatever it might be. Yep. It's, it's like a third party evaluation is all it is, right? Yep. Well, Jeremiah, I think uh, we've we've pulled enough information out of your brain for uh, one or two days. This kind of went into a, a little bit longer podcast, but I think a lot of the information that we've talked about today is not only good for the listeners, but just you know people that want to maybe have a different approach with their business, you know, and just with what you've shared about kind of how you've gone about your business and how fast you've grown in a short period of time and pretty successful. Right. And, well, and that would be, you know, for other insulation contractors, that would be my biggest takeaway is that I think a lot of guys worry about if I'm going to make this investment, if I'm going to spend my time learning all this, you know, how effective is this really going to make me in the industry? You know, we started our business in 2016 and we did a couple hundred thousand dollars in sales uh, and we do over a million dollars a month in sales now. It's, it is the way to grow your business. You know, nobody appreciates working with a contractor more than someone who provides real answers. And that's, and that's what we've achieved doing exactly this. So I think it's the only way to move forward for guys in the industry. Right. And uh, you used the term yesterday off air, proof of concept, right? right. So it, it's, it's doing pretty well for you. Yep. Absolutely. So, Ryan, appreciate you bringing your boy Jeremiah up. Thank you. And being on the podcast. What'd you think? I think it was fun. It was yeah. a good time. Lots of information. Yeah. You were super nervous, I could tell, before we started this, but uh, you settled in nicely. Good job. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's a little nervy. A little crazy. It's okay. So for those of you listening on a desktop or a computer, uh, you can find our podcast at idi-insulation.com backslash rvalue, or if you are on a mobile device, you can stream this on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, the iHeartRadio app, Stitcher and Spotify. Thanks for listening.